lighter in the 940 service, but though we are few, yet we shall praise our Lord together with loud voices. So please stand and join us as we sing to him together. Joyful, joyful, we adore you, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before you open to the sun. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Hither all the hordes of madness, fill us with the
Enter into a time of prayer together. If you'd like to come and use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, then I invite you to join me. Father, we come this morning to lift you high, to glorify you honor you with all that we are. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will speak into our hearts and all the burdens and needs that we bring with us today. And we come to pray because you are good, merciful and full of grace and compassion, and you invite us. Father, may your spirit of comfort be upon all who grieve today. We pray that you will supply healing grace for all who are ill and in pain. We pray especially for Kathy Brewer, Storer Emmett, Ken Stonemetz, Ben King, Doris Asepian, Isla Shea, Sheldon Emerson, Oral Buecher, Bill Getty, Warren and Ella Woolsey, Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, Beverett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Emily Crickler, and others who are on our minds and our hearts today. Father, we thank you for your grace in the ministries of our church. Even as Sunday school is going on right now, we thank you for being present in those classes and in this place as we gather for worship. We think of churches around us, and we pray for Trinity Lutheran Church in Wellsville and Pastor Morris, and may your your abundant grace be upon them as they love one another and love the community of Wellsville and beyond. Father, we thank you for your grace in our world and in our country. We pray for continued help for refugees and for people struggling with disasters and violence. And We pray for healing and unity 
in our nation, Father, that will be centered around not a political ideology, but around you. Father, we, we thank you for your compassion and grace in this world, and we pray for those who are serving you. Especially today, we pray for John and Tricia Frazier, their ministry in Hungary. We pray that you would continue to bless them in their ministry and as a family. And we pray that you would watch over their children as they look for the right school for them. And we pray that your grace would be upon them in all that they do. We thank you for sustaining our brothers and sisters throughout the world who face opposition and persecution that, quite frankly, is hard for us to imagine. We pray for the Christians in Central Africa Republic as they have witnessed and experienced the destruction of churches and pastors martyred and... and um, opposition and being driven from their homes, Lord, we pray that they would have grace to be merciful and forgiving. And we pray that through their witness, even through the witness of their pain, that even that their persecutors would come to know you and to see you in a totally new light. Father, thank you for your daily grace to us. Make us more and more aware of all of your blessings. We pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit of faithfulness and mercy and grace and compassion upon each of us because we desperately need all that you desire to give. Thank you for hearing our prayers. We pray them through the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our returning King. Amen. morning. Our scripture reading for today is from Matthew 7, 13 to 29. Uh, Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Before you're seated, I want to ask you to do, think about two things. One is... Maybe moving forward a little bit. I know I'm asking a lot to do that. So if you don't, that's okay. No quick feel. But I also want to give you a chance to spend a few moments greeting each other, uh, sharing a word of peace and grace to others here in worship today.
I think I'll stand down here today. We're a little, you know, school's out, so there's a few of us, and that's all right. That'll work. And in case you're wondering, are we taking an offering? We will not forget to take the offerings. I want you to know that. <laughs> Even though we did recently, but we will do that. We'll, we're gonna, we'll do it later uh, at the end, before the end of the service. You can, you can, I'll guarantee you that. It'll, it'll happen one time or another, right? So one of the things that we wrestle with, uh, I think every religion, every group of people, uh, in some way or another, wrestles with the issue of who's in and who's out. Who's a part of the group, who's not a part of the group. Who's, who's in the know, who's not in the know. Who's a part of what we're doing, who's not a part of what we're doing. And, and, even, and as Christians, I, I think it's easy for us to think about that, to ponder that, and we're wondering, are those people in or are they out? Are these people in or are they out? Is that person in or is that out? It's a question that it, it's almost impossible in some ways to not ask that question, to not think about that question. Who's in, who's out? And, and what I find is that when Jesus is concluding the Sermon on the Mount, he addresses that question. He, he asks the question, he, he poses the question in a sense to the disciples and to the people listening I want to talk to you about who's in and who's out. Now, in one sense, he's been talking about that the whole time. But as he draws this thing to a close, it gets more intense. And he says, there, are, there is a dividing line. There is, there is a reality of people who are in the kingdom and people who are not in the kingdom. And he uses the, the analogies of gates and roads and prophets and foundations of houses. He says, these are metaphors that you can think about as to how we understand who's in the kingdom and who's not in the kingdom. And he makes it, he says, there is a line. The people who walk the narrow, go through the narrow gate, walk the narrow road, they're in. The people who don't, aren't. There are false prophets and implying there are true prophets. There are foundations in which houses stand. There are foundations in which houses crumble. There is a line. The difference is that I think Jesus talk, when Jesus talks about how we know who's in and who's out is probably different than what we might tend to say. Because Jesus talks here about people who know the right things. They, they, they say the right things. They, they know a lot about God. But they're not in. When he talks about the... Um, the prophets, in verses 16 to 20, he says that there, there are, that you'll know whether these people are true prophets or not based on their fruit. And, and the fruit isn't necessarily what they know, and the fruit isn't necessarily how eloquent they are to speak. The fruit is what they do. It's their actions. It's because he says, bad fruit comes from a bad tree, Good fruit comes from a good tree. So what you see in people is simply what is in them. It's what's coming out of them. And the reality is, eventually, what's in us comes out of us. And it it gives us a clear picture of where we are. And when you get to verses 24 and 26, and he's talking about the, the, uh, the houses and the different foundations, he says the difference is people who hear me, both, of, both groups hear. The difference is some follow and some don't. Some obey, some don't. And the difference again comes back to action. It's not enough to say, I understand. It's not enough to say, I know. It's not enough to say, I can, I can, I can tell you the things about Jesus. It's not enough even to, to feel right. It's, it's only, we're only in the kingdom if we do right. That's what, that's what makes it. It's the actions. It's our behavior. And what is the behavior? Is it following the rules? Is it, is it knowing all the right things that we do? Is it, is it you know, following the practices so we have this great checklist? Throughout this whole sermon, Jesus has been telling us it's not about that. It's not about the letter of the law. It's about the intent of the law. Are you doing that? Are you embracing... What Jesus has been teaching here about what it means, what the kingdom looks like. 
And it takes us all the way back to the Beatitudes, all the way back to the very first words that are not just sort of a a part of the Sermon on the Mount. They are the introduction. They are the foundation of everything else Jesus says here and I think everything else Jesus does throughout his life. And here in in this foundation, he describes what it means to act like people in the kingdom. This is what good fruit looks like. Blessed are the poor in spirit as opposed to those who want everyone to know how great they are. Blessed are those who mourn over the sin and the pain of the world as opposed to people who are ambivalent and apathetic about people's pain. Blessed are the merciful when everything in you wants to hold things against people, to be vindictive, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice. These are people who want to see pain eased, who want to see brokenness healed, and are willing to get involved about it. It is a yearning of their heart. Blessed are the meek, the humble, as opposed to people who are arrogant. Blessed are the peacemakers as opposed to those who are continually stirring up the pot. Blessed are those who are, who are willing to face persecution and opposition because they are followers of Jesus. This is the kind of mindset Jesus is talking about. It is a mindset that says other people are important. I have a passion about other people. I have a passion about their needs and their burdens and their concerns. And in fact, I'm willing to sacrifice my own wants and desires and comfort for them. Because they're important. And the reason we do that is because that's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. Everything scripture tells us about who Jesus is keeps coming back to his willingness to give of himself for the good of other people. And that's what he's calling his disciples to be. Jesus says that's the evidence of the good fruit. That you're thinking more about other people than about yourself. Your heart is open to God. When we talk about obedience, it's not following rules. It's about living with a spirit of openness to God. So that whatever God asks us, we do it. However difficult it may be. Or however joyful it may be. We do it. Because our hearts are open to him. And he's not talking about perfection. He's not talking about that you're in because you always do everything right. And if you, did, if you don't do it right one time, man, you're in big trouble. You're done. He's not talking about that. He's talking about actions that come from the intent of our hearts. And so Jesus says, this is how you know a false prophet or a true prophet. This is the gate. This is the road. This is the foundation you want. I think a lot of this comes back to, I think all of this comes back in one way or another, to our practice of the spiritual disciplines. Prayer. Reading of scripture. Study of scripture. Coming together for worship. Giving what we have. Serving other people. Silence. Solitude. Fasting. All of these, these spiritual disciplines that we've been given, that are blessing from God, this is how we develop the kind of heart that Jesus is talking about. And we do that because we are passionate about it. Whatever you're passionate about doing, you will sacrifice to accomplish it. So if you really want to learn how to play the piano, you really want to be able to sit down and play something beautiful on the piano, then, and it's a passion for you, then you will sacrifice your time, your energy, even your money to make that a reality. If, if you want, to be, if you want to, to, uh, to be a great scientist, then you, you spend your time and your energy and your money learning how to be a great scientist. And you give your attention to that and you're passionate about it. You're intentional about it and you're intense about it. Whatever it is that we want to do, we, if we're passionate about it, we will invest to do it. And how much we're willing to invest reveals how passionate we really are about it. 
And that's why Jesus it keeps, it's why Jesus talks here, it's why the scripture keeps talking over and over again about these spiritual disciplines. They're not another rule to check. They are things that God has given us, blessings, gifts God's given us, so that we can develop hearts that look like Jesus. And so that when we get to the end of our days and we stand before him and we say, Lord, Lord, he says, that's what I was looking about. That's what I was looking for. That's what I'm talking about. I think that's one of the most frightening things we read in all of the New Testament. Certainly the words of Jesus. When you read those verses where he says, people in that day, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. And if that weren't enough, he goes on to say, even the people who can, who, who are able to, to prophesy in his name and drive out demons in his name and who are, are able to, to do miracles in his name, even that isn't enough. And those are all things that we equate with spirituality, right? I mean, these are things that we're thinking, okay, these are spiritual people. How do you know? Do you see the miracles that happen? Did you, would you watch what just took place in that demon-possessed person? Did you hear what they had to say? And we think, wow, now that's spiritual people. And Jesus says, wow, those, all those things are awesome and they're great. It's not enough. Because in some way or another, it comes down to the intent of our hearts. And Jesus says, there are some people he will say to them, I never knew you. That word to know is, um, it means... It means to not just to understand with our minds, but it's, it's relational. It's about having connections with someone. It's about being involved with someone. It, in fact, it's the word that's used in the Septuagint, in the Greek Old Testament, that is used to describe sexual relations. And so in the old King James that many of us grew up reading and learning, when you, some of the passages will say things like, Adam knew Eve and she became pregnant. It, it, was, it is that, that practice of that kind, it's that kind of intimacy. And Jesus says, the reason people aren't in is because they don't have that kind of intimacy with him. There's not a yearning in our heart to know him. I think the alternative is, we're thinking to ourselves, what's the least I can do and still sneak in the kingdom? And Jesus is saying, that's not how it works. Because in the kingdom, it's the intent of your heart. Do you want to be here? Do you want what I'm offering? It goes back to what C.S. Lewis writes in The Great Divorce, that the people who are in heaven are because they want what heaven offers, and the people who are in hell because they want what hell offers. And and when the invitation is given in this book to... To the people in hell are given a chance to, to go to heaven and stay there. None of them want to. Because it doesn't offer anything that they want. Because what they want is the opposite of what God is all about. Self-sacrifice, love, compassion, grace, mercy, forgiveness. All of those things that quite frankly are repulsive to a lot of people. That's why Jesus says it's not, it's not enough to, to do these things, to know me. It's, there's, there is a connection, there's an, an intimacy. It, it is interesting to me that Jesus says, not I, you didn't know me, but I didn't know you. Does that strike you as odd? I, I would have thought it would have been the other way around. You're, you're not a part of the kingdom because you didn't know me. But he doesn't. He says, you're not a part of the kingdom because I didn't know you. I've been scratching my head about that one all week, trying to think, what in the world is he talking about? And the best thing I can come up with is the the thought that we sometimes have when, if we have some little connection to somebody who's famous and the difference in in that. So I I was thinking about that, and and probably the most famous person I have a connection to is when I was young and I was growing up in Evansville, Indiana. I was playing Little League. Don Mattingly was part of our, our little league. He played on a different team, but he's a year younger than me. And if you don't know, Don Mattingly was the first baseman for the New York Yankees for 13 years. And he's now the manager of the Miami Marlins. You know, famous in the baseball world. And we played in the same little league. Different teams, but same little league. So if people say to me, you know Don Mattingly? I'm like, well, you know, yeah, you know, a little bit. You know. 
We have a, we have a connection, right? You know, for 30-some years ago, we have a little connection. But if you were to ask him, do you know Wes Oden? He would look at you and go, I don't, have no idea what you're talking about. Well, you guys played Little League together. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, I've never been invited to the clubhouse. I've never been invited to hang out with him. I've never been invited to his home. I've never been invited to, you know, out to dinner with him. He doesn't have a clue who I am because we don't have any kind of real relationship. We sort of have a passing thing a few years ago. And I know who he is, but he doesn't know who I am because we have never spent time together. We have, we have, we have nothing that I know of in common we have, we have no, we have just have no relationship. So it's one thing for me to say I know who he is. Totally different thing for him to say he knows who I am. It's all about relationship. It's all about want to, the desire of our hearts, intimacy, wanting what he wants. And what he's, what Jesus is saying is, you're in the kingdom because you want what the kingdom's about. You're embracing what Jesus is describing here as the kingdom. And the Beatitudes. That's why we give ourselves to the spiritual disciplines. Because we want that. And that's how you. That's why the, the, the foundations are either strong or weak. And the storms reveal what the foundations are about. If you want to know how well your foundation is being built. Just wait for a storm to hit you. Those things that the evil one throws against us, the things of life that disappoint us, the pain, the hurt, the struggles, all the things of life that that we encounter in one way or another. When you face those things, when the winds blow and the rains hit and the storm comes, you get a pretty good idea of what your foundation looks like. You don't have to wait until the judgment day. We can see that now. We can tell if our foundation is eroding or not. In those, when the storm pushes us, what do we do? Where do we turn? How do we think? It comes back to embracing the nature of the kingdom. Embracing relationship with who Jesus is and wanting. We want the kingdom to be exactly what God says it is. The passion of our heart is that we want the kingdom to be what God says it is. No matter what it may, however much we might need to give or sacrifice, because it's God's kingdom. And we want it, and we embrace it, and we're passionate about it. When we think about the, the, the gates, I think sometimes we think of the gate, the narrow gate, and few find it, few walk through it. I think we sometimes think of that as sort of a gate of privilege. And it makes me maybe think of, oh, 10 or 11 years ago, Someone very generously gave us some tickets to uh, the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament in uh, New York. And Andrew and I went, and we didn't quite realize what we were getting until we got there. And we went to the gate, to the gate, the regular gate where everybody else was going in. And the guy said, oh, no, you're at the special gate around the side. I'm like, oh, at the special gate? Cool. So we go around to the special gate. And we're standing there at the special gate, and I'm looking around at all the other people going, yeah, I know. We're at the special gate. Yeah. You guys don't get the special gate. We get the special gate. You know, everything that you've ever wanted to be, you're always, I'm always on the outside looking at the people standing at the special gate. Now, I got to be there. We go in and we saw, uh, you know, celebrities in there. And we go to this beautiful suite and they served us this awesome meal. And we're sitting out on this balcony watching the tennis match. And I'm looking down at all the other losers down there who didn't get to go through the special gate. You know, we're like... Yeah, we get to be at the special gate, you know. And, and I think sometimes we see that as that's, that's what the kingdom is about. We are special because we get to go in the gate. But I don't think that's what Jesus means. I think it's more like those signs you see at amusement park rides that are really dangerous. And they have the sign that said you have to be this tall to get into this ride. Except that Jesus reverses it. And he says you have to be this short. This small to get into the ride. You want to enter the kingdom? You got to stoop. It's about being vulnerable. It's about being humble. It's about being poor in spirit. It's about being, it's about being willing to sacrifice. It's about being willing to, to be merciful and to forgive. And we want to hang on to all of it. It's about being, as Jesus says, like little children. 
That's how you enter the kingdom. With that kind of of sacrifice and surrender and faith in Jesus. It's not because the line is too high. It's because the line is too small. It's open to everybody. It's just not everybody wants to stoop. Like Jesus stoops for us. Why do we do all of this? What's really the point of this? It's because of who God is. I'm convinced more and more all the time that everything we think about life, everything everything that we do, how we act, it all of it comes back to one way or another to our image of God. Who is God to us? Is he the unpleasable taskmaster who just keeps upping the ante, pushing us more and more, never satisfied? Is, is he the boss that keeps piling stuff on us, that keeps making us work more and more, and we never get any reward for it? Is he, is he the person who, who is continually hounding us, just waiting for us to, to fail and mess up so that he can jump down our throats? I mean, that's the image of God that most of us wrestle with in one way or another. And Jesus comes and he says, no, that's not the true image of God. The image of God that I want you to understand looks like me. The image of God you need to get is that God loves to give good gifts to his children. The image of God you need to understand is they so love the world that he gave his son. He loves us. He only wants what's best for us. And any sacrifice we make It's not because God is capricious and just loves to see us squirm. It's because he knows that the sacrifice is leading us to something better. What we're really doing when we stoop is that what we're really doing is we're giving up all of the wrestling and the fighting and the bondage of trying to make life something on our own. Protecting ourselves, protecting what we have. Making sure that people know how wonderful we are. It's exhausting to do that. We give up the cycle, of a vicious cycle of all of that self-centeredness to be set free by God who loves us and cares for us. This is what this table is about. We come to this table because of Christ who came and died for us. Not because we're so special. Not because we're so good, but because he is and because he loves us. And that's why. So really the issue is not that we try to judge who's in and who's out of the kingdom. What we're really focused on is following Jesus. And we follow Jesus. We don't worry about judging who's in and who's out of the kingdom. I've, I've never yet known anyone who was judged into the kingdom. I know tons of people who've been loved into the kingdom who've been forgiven into the kingdom, who've been humbled into the kingdom. It's really not about judging who's in and who's out. The call is to follow Jesus, to love God in openness, such openness that we can't help but love other people. It's the desire of our heart. Even when we mess up, it's what we want to do. And we want Jesus to keep working in us and changing us and transforming us because we want to continually, day by day, be set free in his grace. Everybody, uh, probably all of you, I left that up there, let me go grab that. Probably all of you have at one time or another used a funnel. Right? You all have seen funnels. You've used them, you know, you put oil in your car or sometimes you're trying to put something into a small bottle. It's a great, great tool, great device. I don't know who invented this, but it's brilliant. It's genius, right? We all have used it. I was reading something the other day. I'd never thought of this before, but they said what Jesus is talking about here today is really like a funnel. And and if you turn it sideways, you have to, you decide which way you want to enter. You can enter at the, the large end and you pretty much do what you want. Life is yours, you take it, you do what you want, you live for yourself. It feels like freedom, but ultimately it leads to something very much different than freedom. Confinement, destruction. Or you can, you can enter through the narrow end. And it sometimes feels like confinement. Sometimes it feels like restriction. But ultimately, when you get to the other end... You see what it was really all about to begin with. 
freedom, joy, life. And the question that Jesus is posing for us is which end are we entering? Maybe even more the question is, which end are we going to end up on? Because where you want to end will determine where you begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy to us. Thank you for loving us enough to to help us to want more for us than we want for ourselves. So open our eyes to who you are. Give us grace to be passionate about you. Father, we thank you for the bread and the cup of which we're about to partake. And we pray that your blessing will so rest upon it that it will be food for our souls as we remember who you are and what you've done for us and we respond in faith and grace. In love. and openness. We pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven, and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And on the same night, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. This morning, as you are released by rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it, and then you may return to your seat by the outside aisle. The altar rail is always open if you'd like to stay and pray. If coming to the front is difficult for you, or if you simply prefer we have a tray of bread and cups, or happy to serve you in your row, just let the usher know as your row is released. And I have gluten-free wafers and cups here. If you'd like those, just let me know as you come forward. I'd like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. Maybe it's the first time you've ever worshipped here, but if you come today with your heart open to Christ and, and with the desire to, to embrace the kingdom, in the way, all the ways of Christ. Come, receive these gifts from our gracious, loving, Heavenly Father. By grace alone, somehow I stand. Where sin once made me fear to tread Invited by redeeming love Before the throne of God above He pulls me close with nailed scarred hands Invite His everlasting arms When condemnation grips my heart And Satan tempts me to despair I hear the voice that scatters fear The great I am, the Lord is here Oh, praise the one who finds
to invite the ushers forward to receive our tithes and offerings. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, a word I look and see in there, who made an end to all my sin. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now forevermore. Amen.